Hey everybody, Dale Raper here with Happy Holly Outdoors. Uh, got a new thing we're starting today. This is going to be the very first episode of our podcast. It's going to be called uh, Bull Mountain Podcast, brought to you by Happy Holly Outdoors. Uh, we're going to be covering a wide variety of topics on this. Uh, going to try to focus a whole lot on a lot of our local stuff that's in our area, you know, Red Bay and the surrounding areas. Uh, going to bring in a lot of people that we know that's been involved with lots of things throughout history in our area. Uh, we decided today our first guest is going to be Mr. Bob Tiffin and Miss Judy Tiffin. They've got a little something to do with the, the owners of Happy Hollow Outdoors. So they're full of history. How many years both of y'all grew up in Red Bay, correct? We did. We grew up here right, right up the street, about two blocks from here, in fact. Oh. So we've been here all of our lives. Can you tell us anything about this building we're sitting in? Yes, sir, it was. When I was a boy, it was it was owned by Mr. Yancey, and we called him Pop Yancey. He had one arm gone, so he's just a one-armed man. And he over here to this side was where he had the the stews, and his 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 uh, fountain was over there on that side of the building. And he we'd come up here and and date. And he had tables out here where we don't have any tables right now in the front between here and the window. And everybody would sit around and talk and have a big time. And he might have milkshakes and Coca-Cola floats and root beer and all that kind of good stuff, you know. And he made some sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we we come up here in, in the afternoon, and especially after footballs. And this was way back in this, – this was before 1955. And uh, I – our Tiffin Supply Company was just around the block there. And so I'd, I'd sneak off over here in the afternoon. And we had a big drawing in Red Bay. And on Saturday, the, the, last, the last Saturday of every month, in the summertime, they would, the, the uh, people in town, the merchants would sell tickets. You, you know, every, every, time, every, time you stole, every time you bought something from them, they'd give you a ticket. And so... They put those tickets in a big drum out here. They rolled them up, and they would give a bunch of money away. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, there would be about three or four drawings during the summertime at, huh. the, end, at the end of each month. I'd never heard of that. Oh yeah, they would be right out here on the square. They shut the street down. We had one traffic line. It was right out there, <laughs> <laughs> and so they would do that, and, and people would come from everywhere because everybody had had bought stuff, you know, during during the month. It came to town every Saturday. Saturday was a big deal in Red Bay back in those days. Right. Everybody, everybody that, that lived out in the country, they didn't come to town but once a week. They come on Saturday. I mean, they buy their groceries and then they go back home. And so the, that Saturday was the day that they drew, and that was a big deal. How big a deal was the railroad track? You know, the railroad back in, when y'all were younger. Well, when I was a boy, they were all steam engines except for the city of Miami. And it was a it was a modern a passenger train, and they had um, they had they had five different trains called the city of Miami, and one left Chicago on Monday, one left on Tuesday, one left on Wednesday, one left on Thursday, and one left on Friday, and they they went to Miami, and they came back. So to give one day service down to Miami, they had to have five train sets, right. and they did the same thing over at New Orleans. They had the city of New Orleans, and somebody wrote a song about that one. 
riding on the city in New Orleans. Y'all remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Willie Nelson, he sang it for sure. Yeah. Somebody else. And, uh, those, those were sister trains. They were identical. The only, the only difference then was, was, the, was the name on yeah. the side. And so we we watched watch the city go by. It it ran through here at eighty miles an hour, and so we go down. It was sweep. It would just sweep the tracks back. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but we had three other passenger trains called Seminoles. There was number seven, number eight, and number nine Seminole, and they ran every. They they unloaded here every night at ten o'clock, and so when they unloaded down here at the at the depot, it was right down the street here. There would be people from four or five counties come here to meet it because there was not a another passenger service that came through here. Round there, see, there was not one in Fulton, there, and there there one there one one at, at uh, over in Hamilton, not like this. Right. And 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 of course, the people came from Hayville over here between here and Hayville to Hackenberg and 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 Hodges and all. They came around here to meet the train right. at ten o'clock at night. So it was a big deal. Yeah. And uh, every now and then, somebody would. Would be unloaded down there. They'd have passed away. They'd be in a casket. They'd unload a casket down there and take it to the funeral home. Right. We saw that when we were going up. What about was there a lot of merchandise came in on the train? Well, in the beginning, you know, Daddy talks about a drayman. You don't know what a drayman is? I don't have a clue. That's a guy that hauled the freight from the from the depot. Oh, really? So it, they had to. Uh, they had a dock down on the backside of the depot, and they had these iron wheel buggies. And so they would, if it was if it was real heavy, they would pull it with a horse. And if it wasn't, they could pull it pull it by hand. Right. And so they would the the packages and everything would come in all during the day. And one one uh, one time in the afternoon, around two two o'clock, the drayman would go down there and pick up all the packages, and he'd distribute them out in town here. And the first drayman we had was Horace Jackson. Horace Jackson. Horace Holmes Jackson. Yeah, he was Clive Jackson's brother. I was aiming to ask you if he was any kin of Clive. And 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 the, poli- the police the policeman was Lucy Jackson, and that was his daddy and, and Clive Jackson's daddy. And but he he ruled with iron fist. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, all these guys from World War II came back after 1940 after 1945 when the war was over, and man, they were they were wild as a buck. And that means they wanted to, the streets of Red Bay was not a real safe to be right there, especially on Saturday night. <laughs> so, but he finally cleaned it up. He, he, the calaboose was right up the street here. You know where the old calaboose was? Yeah, I do. You tell that where it's at. Yeah, though, well, it was mind. behind Tom Wright's shoe store, but between Tom Wright's shoe store and the city hall now in that in that lot right there. Right. And uh, oh, that was the funniest thing in the hall. And, he would kick them all the way up there and block them up if they would knock. If not, of course, you couldn't do that now. No. But uh, I remember one time, one Saturday night was pretty rough. And so me and David, we, we, had a, we just lived up the street there just one block away. So we walked down there one Sunday morning, and this guy was had one little window. about It was about, all about 12 or 18 inches square and had armed bars on it. And this guy was just hauling in there, and he's... He said, "Oh, I'm, I said I need water." <laughs> he, he was on a big drunk, and so he was a starving at this. So, so me and David, we looked at him, and we went, and we didn't know what to do, so we ran off. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that happened in Red Bay when I was a boy. We we uh, we played football down in down in Mr. Neighbors' yard. Bill Neighbors lived down the street down here, right across from the Neighbors' store, and so. There'd be four or five of the six of those guys get together, and we played we played uh, touch football down there. Sometimes we played tackle too, and it got really rough. But <laughs> we had a lot of football games down there, and the theater was just across the street over here. 
And so you could, when I was a boy, you could get in the theater for a dime and you could stay all day on Saturday. Later on, it went up to 20 cents and then a little bit later, it was a quarter, but you, you could stay there. And I've stayed many, many days and watched Roy Rogers and Dale Evans and Gene Autry, Hopalong on Cassie and all those guys, you know, right. were, and we'd see it over and over and over again. Then they'd have Mickey Mouse and the cartoons, and always we have seen all those. I used to go down there. Mother just let us go down there and stay all day. Yeah. And then if we had something to do, we'd have to come back out in the afternoon. But we stayed down there many hours at the theater. Of course, it's gone now. But right. but the, the down there where the uh, where the water tower the where the water tower is and and uh, and the caboose that's that's where the theater was. That's where it was at. Mm-hmm. What about uh? Did y'all two know each other growing up? You and Miss Judy? Just vaguely. vaguely. I knew who he was. But uh, I did not hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> he asked me all the time things about the railroad. But at the depot, I said, Bob, I didn't hang out at the depot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but he is really fascinated with trains. And he enjoyed his time at the depot. <laughs> I do know that. Yeah, we had uh, we had three really good depot agents. The, the first one I knew was R.Q. Nelson. He lived down there by the by the service department there on the corner. And then we had J.S. McDowell. He lived up there with the Piggly Wiggly. Now that's where that what house right. where Lisa lives now. Mm-hmm. That was his house. And then we had we had another uh, we had another depot agent. I can't remember his name, but he was a good guy too. We had a real good time growing up here, and I would love to go down there and watch the trains fill up with water. But the water tower was down there, and there was two tracks, and sometimes two, two trains would be there. So we had a long siding that a, a train could pull over, and he could almost get all of his train on that one siding. So he'd pull in there and get water, and he'd move forward a little bit. And then the next train that needed water, if he was on the, if he was on the main line, one would go north, one would be going south. He could fill up with water, too. Yeah, and they had they had a big pump. The pump in the beginning was steam. See, when Red Bay was built in 1903, and the railroad came through shortly after that, there wasn't electricity here. Right. So they had to they had to figure out some way to pump the water up to the tower. So they used a uh, they used a steam pump. It had a little. In fact, if you if you go to the over there to the where it's at, you can still see the you can still see the. Uh, the pressure vessel that they used, you know, where they made the steam. Of course, there was a, there was a, a, they had to build steam, and so the, the steam, the, the steam then that was in the pressure vessel ran the little steam pump. Ran the pump that pumped the water up in the tower, and that's how they did it. Of course, later on, electricity finally came, and then they had got had more modernized. Yeah, yeah. Had, they had electric pump, but back in those days, that's what they had to fire it. Yeah, the the guys in the depot had to keep it fired, you know, to make steam. Right. All right, we got to take a little break here, just a short commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome to Happy Hollow. Here you can find a wide variety of products, including home decor, apparel, western wear, pet supplies, baby clothes, boots, gifts, and of course, our year-round Christmas selection. As you make your way to the back, you'll be greeted with our outdoors section, which includes hunting, fishing, camping, guns, and ammo, as well as our gunsmith shop. Oh, and take a moment to sit and warm up next to our fireplace. 
Take the elevator or the stairs up to our second floor where you will find our sports section, which includes a wide variety of golf supplies, baseball, softball, football, disc golf, and many other sports products, even pickleball. No matter what you're looking for, there is always something to find at Happy Hollow Outdoors, located at 985 9th Street West, Red Bay, Alabama. Hey everybody, we back uh, talking to Mr. Bob, Miss Judy. Uh, Judy, I, you told me a story one time I'd like for you to share, if you don't mind to, about a goat. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you care to tell that story? No, I don't. I'll have to think about it. And see if I remember all of it. But uh, I don't know how old I was. Probably 10. I don't know. But over on the Tennessee River, close to Pitwick, there's an island called Goat Island. And we lived over there for about six months one time at a boat dock, a state line boat dock, Daddy ran it. So I was kind of, I had a baby brother, but I was Daddy's fishing partner. So out in the middle of the Tennessee River was Goat Island, and one day in May, when the willow flies were out, we went fishing, and uh, we would tie a topwater bait on, followed by a leader with a little topwater bug, and we would catch carp, which are not good eating fish. It was just fun. And there were really goats on this goat island. We were fishing around goat island, and so one was just handy, happened to be close to the <laughs> shore, and Daddy pulled the boat up and got out and caught the goat, and we brought it home. And I had it for several years, and one day it came up missing. <laughs> and we just thought that it had chewed through the rope or something and had run off. And I was grown and had children when I found out what happened to my goat. <laughs> Daddy sold it or gave it to uh, somebody, and they barbecued it. I was just crushed. I could not believe all these years I had mourned for that goat. <laughs> and oh, Daddy wait. never told me about it. You don't remember going to a barbecue? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> Oh, but buddy. he kept that secret for me for years and years. <laughs> Did you fish with your dad a lot? Oh, yeah, growing up, especially when we were at the boat dock. I fished with a game warden a lot, uh, 60 yard, but he was from Belmont. And he was the game warden over there. I'd go out fishing with him. And I think I was about 10 when we lived there, but I loved to fish. But... I married somebody who doesn't get things about fishing. <laughs> so my fishing career ended when I got married. <laughs> Did you ever hunt when no, you were growing up? No, I don't know anything about that. Daddy Bob, you done a little hunting, didn't you? A little bit, bird hunting. I was, Gerald Jackson was my friend going up to school. and we, His daddy had two really good bird dogs. And so when, uh, when we were in about the eighth and ninth grade, we would go bird hunting. 
before I before sports started right. and, and before I started playing football and everything. And so we would go down in the in the hollow here in Red Bay down before, on the east side of Sarton Hollow over here, right out by the right down Highway One. And uh, there was a really good place to bird dog bird hunt down there. There was three or four cubbies in that little spot. We go down there after school and kill three or four birds every day. Right. And so we cleaned them out. You know, after a while, you get you find you if you if you if you just hunt all the time, you find a wop a, a covey out, and that's right. what we did. Mm-hmm. But then we tried to hunt at other places. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed bird hunting then. But of course, after we got married, you know, I started working and and hunting hunting cease. Right. I still, I still have my shotgun. Though. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh? So y'all been all over the country traveling. What makes Red Bay stick out the most to y'all? I mean, as far as anything that's going on today or even anything that's in the history of Red Bay? Well, Red Bay is a really, really good place to live. You know, when back in those days, it was about about 2,500 people. Now we've got about 3,500 people live here. And, and, you know, we have good folks here in Red Bay. Right. And it always has been. Of course, my dad started in business here in 1941, Tiffin Supply Company, and and I sort of grew up in that business. I, I can remember, I was born in 1942, so I can remember any, a little bit everything that went on from 1945 to 1948. The war was over in 1945. And, and so I, I, didn't, I didn't see this, but I heard Mother M talk about it. When the war was over, everybody got a, a dishpan and they got them a big spoon and they marched around town here. That, the they, day were they, proud. Heard, yeah, they were the day they heard more than the other, and that was really something. That's that's a that's a matter of history. That that, that happened all over the country. Then. Right. But anyway, we grew up here, and I enjoyed working at Tiffin Supply Company all those years. I learned a lot from my dad, and, and of course, then in 1964, we had a company move into Red Bay called Commodore Corporation, and they were from they were from Indiana. They were from two they they. They had plants in Indiana, and they also their home office was in Omaha, Nebraska. And they moved down here, and they they leased a big building over there from Sunshine Sunshine Mills, that, where Sunshine had built some mobile homes. And so they built manufactured housing over there, and they also built um, sandpiper motorhomes. And so they had a lot of people working. I'd go down there about the first of every month and collect my bill that there was, you know, Tiffin's Supply Company because they were always, just like us, always running out of something. And we had all the plumbing and the wiring devices they needed and everything, so they'd come by it. And so all of a sudden, after they'd been in business about four years, they left. They left Red Bay. And so, but the employees of that company built two 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 factories. They built one in Iuka, Mississippi, and one at Tremont. And they built sand, uh, sand pipe, I mean, sunliners in Tremont. They also built safaris at Iuka. And of course, we sold them a lot of stuff. All those guys lived around town here that, that worked at both plants. And they'd come by in the morning and get some things, and they'd come by in the afternoon. And of course, there again, I'd go back at the first of every month and try to collect. And they both went out of business in about four years. Four years was enough. I reckon it just put them on the shopping block. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, we waited about a year or two, and I told Daddy one day we built a. We had a in 1965 we built a cotton gin here in Red Bay, called the Farmers Gin and Warehouse. Yeah. And uh, O'Neill Oliver ran it that first year, and then he wanted to sell his shares out to us, and he did. And so Daddy looked at me one day when we didn't have a gin. He said, "You're gonna have to go run the cotton gin." <laughs> I said, well, "Daddy, I don't know how to run a cotton gin." 
He said, well, you can learn. And so I, I went down there and started learning, running a cotton gin, the cotton gin we had. And, and uh, we had two big warehouses with them. And, and uh, we had a guy named Willie Brooks that was, uh, that was pretty good. He was a pretty good mechanic. And so he, he worked with us. And, and Doodle Hunt worked with you. Remember Doodle? I guess you I've heard of Doodle. <laughs> anyway, he worked, he, those two ran the press. And then Tom Holland was another guy that worked with us, and he made the ties. We had to make we had to make up ties then. That was before wire ties came into existence. And so we started running the gym. We ran the gym. I ran it from 1966 through 1977. We sold it in 1978. But during that time, you know, Commodore left, and so I had the idea that we might build motorhomes. And so. I told Dad we had the warehouse down there. We just had, we for some reason, we built a big warehouse down there where the cabinet shop is now. But Well, I know why, because we ran out of room to store cotton. <laughs> the year before, we needed more room. Right. That's a good problem. And yeah. so um, we built that warehouse. And, of course, the, that year in, in, in 19, 1971, we, made a, we had a, a terrible crop. Right. We just didn't make much cotton that year at all. So... We, t- we decided to go into the motorhome business in that warehouse, and that's where the cabinet shop is now. And of course, we've added on. I can't, I can't enumerate the times we've added on to the, to the plant to build motorhomes in. <laughs> and it's, it's, we've built, and we've built a lot of motorhomes. We've built about 93 or 94,000 motorhomes since we started. That's several. Ain't it? That's a lot of motorhomes. <laughs> a lifetime of them. <laughs> what about, so how long did you, what year did you leave Tiffin Supply then? Well, you know, I worked there every summer. I mean, every year after after junior season. But in in uh, nineteen, I guess it was in the late in the late sixties, early eighties. Well, I left I left I left the store when we started the motorhome plant. So I, the first year we built the motorhomes in nineteen seventy two in the fall, I, I stayed down, I stayed at the store most of the time. I'd come down there once in a while. But then in seventy three, um, we started production. In, in, in essence, in 1973, in January the 2nd, we started building our first motor home. We started building one a day, and then by April that year, we was building two a day, and then later on, we built three a day. Then I started staying at the motor home plant all the time then, and and we then we came right along, and we was doing really good. I said, man, this, we're going to really do fine, and then we had the Arabian oil embargo. Gas lines. Mm. Everybody had to line up to buy gas, so you couldn't you couldn't hardly give a motorhome away with people on the nightly news telling how how short gas was. Yeah, it was not short. It was just it was, everybody just thought it was short. Yeah, because <laughs> just the minute it went up a little bit, there was plenty of gas. Yeah, <laughs> and and diesel fuel too. So, but anyway, that's that's what that's that's what we did. And of course, we didn't we didn't build but we didn't build but twelve motorhomes from nineteen seventy January of nineteen seventy four till um, April of nineteen seventy four. Just 12 units. We laid everybody off except the supervisors. And so when uh, when it sort of picked up again in the, in the summer of 1974, we started calling some of our folks back. And then we went to the Louisville Show that year. We got up there, and we walked through the Louisville Show, and, it, and I was shocked. About, about half of all the manufacturers were gone. They weren't there. And there was these huge spaces. There weren't anybody had any displays in. They they yeah. bought the space, but they weren't broke, so they didn't come to the show. And so we sort of gained the market by default by them all going out of business. Yeah. And so as time went on, we just we just kept growing, growing more more and more owners, more and more customers, and 
And we, we were very fortunate because we set up some really good dealerships during that time. Yeah. And so that's, that's, why, that's how we've been able to keep it. And, of course, we've tried our best to take care of our owners all these years. What about uh, Judy? Tell me a little bit about what, you, what your father done. Well, uh, or tell me a lot. If you want to tell me a lot, that's okay. <laughs> tell you. I said tell me a little bit, but you can tell me whatever you want to tell me. Well, I don't hardly know where to start. He, uh, my mother and daddy, daddy lived here. His, uh, his dad was a preacher. So back in the twenties, they lived in Red Bay for a while, and my granddaddy preached at the at the First Baptist Church. They lived in Belmont for a while, where he preached, and then they moved to Gwin, and that's where Daddy graduated from high school. Well, no, he was in high school, and for some reason they closed the high school in Gwin, and he had to come here and finish high school in Red Bay, and he lived with his grandparents, who lived just real close to the plant, where the plant is now. And, uh, but when he was in Gwin, my granddaddy Snow had a uh, cafe and a butcher shop. I think he was a cattle farmer, but he, so my daddy went to work for him when he was in fifth grade. And he learned how to cut meat and to do things like that and run a grocery store. Well, after he and mother married, they moved to Winfield, Alabama, and he had a grocery store. And then the war was raging, and so he had to sell it. And I was 10 days old when he went off to the Army. He had been drafted. And uh, so after he got out of the Army, he came back to Red Bay and bought a grocery store here. So I was about three or four when we moved here. And then after a while, he decided that uh, he was going to put in a dairy bar that had the soft serve ice cream. Right. So he did, and that was the first soft serve ice cream around here. And uh, I went to work. I think I was in the fifth grade when we put that in, and I worked all the time. That's how Bob hung out at the dairy bar. <laughs> And uh, I would try to do my studying, wait on the tables, and talk to Bob. I was because Bob didn't do much studying. <laughs> She's telling off on you now. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's what he did till for several years till he sold out. And uh, so I didn't have time to run around town like Bob did. I was working. <laughs> All right, well, we got to take another short break here. We'll be back with you just shortly. All right, so we're back. Uh, we've been scattered all over the place here as far as questions and where we went, but that's fine. That's the way it good conversations go in my opinion but anyway um uh, bob you talked about running the cotton gin just shortly ago uh judy what was your job there when that was taking place well i he put me to buying cotton <laughs> i didn't buy like 
people used to buy, they would get cotton in, and they would pull it, and they could tell by the staple length and everything, and could kind of grade it, I guess, on the spot. There, there were a couple of cotton buyers in town besides me, but I bought from cards. They would send the cotton sample off, and they would test it. Where did they test it? Montgomery or they, somewhere? They sent it to Birmingham to the United States Department oh, of out there. And then division. they would send a card back, like a report card, how, what grade Different it would And then the cotton buyer that I sold to would tell how much each day what they were paying for that certain grade of cotton. Right. So that's how I bought it, was in <coughs> cards. And then when it rained, Everybody would, of course, after it was gin, they would cut a sample out of the bell to give it to the, to send one sample off and give the other one to the cotton farmer. And it would rain, and the, here comes everybody with their cotton. I was just swamped. <laughs> and uh, meantime, one time in 1970, Bob got his arm piled in gin. Mm. And it was it was just awful. I I was sitting in my little office on the grounds there at the gym, and the way the wind was blowing, I could not hear him hollering. But everybody else could. Over at Sunshine, they could hear him. And Dr. Dempsey came and got him. They had to pull him out of the gym and uh, put him in his suburban-like vehicle he had. They, there were no ambulances here, and he took him to the hospital in Red Bay and they uh, he was there for three weeks and I nobody thought he'd have an arm left when they pulled him out but he did and they did Dr. Dempsey the only doctor here at the time did um, as far as I know Dr. Pedrick might have been here uh, Dr. Dempsey did skin grafts on his arm every bit of it too yeah it was amazing blessed Yes, he was really blessed that he has both arms. Yeah. But anyway, that's how we bought cotton. And uh, my mother-in-law said I had, let's see, Lex wasn't even born then. That was before he was born. And I had two little boys in school. And my mother-in-law said, I believe we could just hang you up on a nail on the wall and you'd go to sleep. Because <laughs> all, all these farmers had come in. I had to buy their cotton to go soup out. By. It, it was something, but it's, uh, it worked out all right. So I remember people talking about uh, schools and everything shutting down in the oh, fall yeah, of the year, you know, picking. for cotton picking. Mm -hmm. So was that still taking place then? Part of the time, uh, yes, they were shut down two weeks usually for cotton. Yeah, year, I don't know. They they might have stopped that, but then I don't know what year they quit doing that. But when we when we were going to when I was going to school, they they were yeah. shut. And it was it was always in October. It was the last yeah. two weeks in October. Yeah. So. But one of my favorite quotes from Cotton Gin is, "I was keeping books at the gin one night." And this man, this farmer, came along and said, "You are saying, no, this is somebody else." No, he, <laughs> the guy had his cotton sample under his arm, and he said, "You know what? 
if it was raining soup, I'd be standing outside holding a fork. <laughs> and I have never heard that before or since. Oh, That's an interesting one. Bob, you mentioned you are. What did he? What did he done? Well, you are was a cotton farmer too. And of course, he ran for sheriff. You know, later on, he got elected yeah. a time or two. And but he he brought a he he bring his samples, and he was always the last one that left. Oh so yeah. We 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 we'd want to go home, and go to bed, you know. And he <laughs> we he would come in with a cotton belt of cotton, and we'd gin it, and or two belts, whenever. He, and he'd always be there last. Well, yeah. but you uh, he had lost the previous election. That night, <laughs> and he was there, and he said he tucked his samples under his arm, and he said, "Well, I'm gonna go home and cook a banny hen and invite all my friends." <laughs> that was my that's my two favorite quotes from the chin. We done got his feelings hurt. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's the way it was back in those days. So, Judy, would if uh. Would you want to go to work in a restaurant somewhere? No. <laughs> I've had my share of that. No, I've had my share answer. of gin. <laughs> There's some well, things I just don't want to do anymore. <laughs> yeah, Legs, he, he had mentioned you had told him that you'd help him do anything, but you was not helping in a restaurant. Oh, <laughs> did I tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's, that's tough business. You've got to be there if you want to keep people happy. Right. <laughs> but I will say one thing about about her dad-in-law, A.M. Nix. That's who he was. And he had the best sandwiches anybody ever had. We'd ever had in Red Bay. Really? He, he would, every Wednesday, he would, he would barbecue 12 shoulders in his barbecue pit up there. And his barbecue pit is still... Still in the in the building up there where Saint Sisters is. Really? Yeah. And, and I went back the other day and looked at it. And it's just exactly like it was when he left it. And uh, he would put 12 shoulders in there on Wednesday and barbecue them. And sometimes he'd have to barbecue more. Yeah. He would use all those up on the weekend. He would he would do hamburgers and hot dogs and, and barbecues. And some bean bakery guy would leave about 125 dozen buns up there. Uh, they'd come up a B12 to a bag. And uh, he sold on the weekends. He would he would use all those up, and on Sunday night he would always run out. Yeah. And I remember one time Charlie Beasley came in there, and he was starving to death. He said, this, and and AM said, I'm out. Said I can don't have any more. Out of barbecue. And he said, Well, just chop up your just chop up your thumb or your fingers. <laughs> 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 I thought that was I thought that was amusing. <laughs> yeah. He was hungry, wasn't he? <laughs> but, <clears throat> what is a uh, Bob, you care to tell a little bit about the dinky line? You care to tell a little bit about that? The doodle No, the dinky line. The dinky line. Yes, we had the, there was two dinky lines here in our part of the country back in the back in the old days, back when Smith and Lumber Company was here cutting timber. Right. And and they had the big sawmill up here. And so one line, uh, it was a it was an arrow gauge rebel, is what it was. And it it went all the way over to Pleasant Sites. Mm-hmm. And the, and they, the, the farmers and the log cutters would bring logs to it, and it would haul. It would haul. Back then, it it's a, they had two sawmills here. One, the big one, was Golden Sawmill down at Golden. Right. And they they were had a modern mill really for the time. They had a sluice pond, you know, where they dumped the dumped the logs into the into the water and sawmill them. Then there was a line that went down toward Fulton, and so they had that line, and they had the one that went up to went through Pleasant Side over there. And they operated a long time, and 
they decided that they cut all the timber off in this country, so they left. They left. They left. And of course, we've been cutting timber ever since. Daddy said, "Daddy said they, he, my dad and he knew what he was talking about." He said, "You can't cut timber in the South fast enough to cut it away." He said, "It outgrows what they're cutting, and it always has." We, right. Can you can you imagine how many loads of pupwood would come through here every week through Red Bay? There's oh. a whole telling. Right? And it has been since the beginning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Since, since they put in the big paper mill at Counts, Tennessee. Right. And I mean, it's that's a that is a going a going industry, and it, I don't see any, any any way for it to just keep going. Right. There's been several families in this part of the country that might have lived in doing that for years and well yeah. generations. You well, know, it started off with 54 inch. They cut they cut the cut the logs up in fifty four inch lengths, you know, and they load the crossways on the truck. Right. Now they they do tree length logs. Oh yeah. I mean it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Oh. What about the movie theater it used to be up here? Do you remember a whole lot about it? Yes, I do. You know, the, the guy that owned that theater and ran it was Wines Walden, and he had a son that was about four or five years older than me. His name was Dickie Walden. And uh, they were good folks. They lived there, and we'd we would play with them. And and uh, sometimes we'd get a little extra popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> but it was over here, right across the street from, from the drugstore here. Right. And we'd go over there on Saturday, like I said, and you'd stay all day. And of course, later on when we started dating, uh, they had what was called the Owl Show, and it it started at ten o'clock at night. And so when Judy got off, if we had time, we'd, we'd go to the house show and watch that. And then we'd then we'd have a little date after the house show. And and I I had to get her home by midnight. I mean that's just the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah we had the we had the theater and it was it was it was a good theater. You know the guy that put all those in lived in Burnsville, Mississippi. Didn't know that. Yeah, and he he put one in uh, one in Iuka, and one in Tishomingo, and one in Belmont, and one in Red Bay. And he put one somewhere else. I guess up at Hackenberg Hodges one. But anyway, uh, and he did did real well with them for a long time. Yeah. See, back then we didn't have television, and yeah. uh, and so there was you know that was all that's the only kind of entertainment you could go to. They would have a live show. I remember seeing Tex Ritter over here at the Red Bay Theater, and Hopalong Cassidy. He came one time, and there was somebody else. Uh, There's two or three more that came and. and Performed up here at the, yeah. at the Red Bay at the Red Bay Theater. <clears throat> Let's see here. What else, Emmett? You have, you don't have anything you want to say? Not really. Not anything <laughs> specific. Lex, yeah. anything you want to talk about? Covered most of it. Yeah. So what? Break time. All right, we're gonna take another break, folks. Folks, we're back here, still sitting here with Mr. Bob, Miss Judy. Uh, so to wrap this thing up, is there anything in particular you'd like to tell a story maybe that happened when something when you was a kid or an adult or whatever? Well, I would like to talk about my dad, you know, Alex Tiffin. He started a Tiffin Supply Company 
what's what is different from black hunting now that I mentioned before in 1941. Of course, I came along in 42, and then I grew up in Tiffin's Supply Company. But, you know, without him, without his foreknowledge and his stickability in business, we wouldn't be here today. Right. And so he was really, really a good merchandiser. You know, he sold, he sold, he had a wide variety of, of all kinds of building supplies. And he sold everything that a farmer here in northwest Alabama had to have and, and a rancher. He had he had red brand field fencing and red brand barbed wire, and he sold international fertilizer. We 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 had a big supply of fertilizer for the farmers around here to plant their crops, and he sold feed and seed. We sold a ring around product, cotton seed, you know, for the for the farmers to sell, and, and we sold we sold soybeans and soybean seed, and he sold a lot of different things. You know, we we had we had a good supply of nails and metal roofing. And uh, asphalt shingles, and uh, we sold John's Manville shingles. It was made in Barrera, down at New Orleans, Barrera, and uh, they were the premier roofing company back in those days. And uh, and of course, his timing was great. He went in business in '41, but the, and after World War II, the building boom started here because everybody had money. Because they hadn't spent any during the war, because everything was rationed. Right. And so, when the war was over, and about about seven or eight years after the war, all these GIs that came back, they all they all everybody in this part of the country was living outdoors, and that's the truth. Yeah. They didn't have water. They didn't have a community water system, and so he sold them water pumps, and he sold them building supplies, and and he sold them stuff to build their build their barns and everything with, and and we were really busy during that time. We sold. There's no telling what we saw. Of course, back then we had two. We had another competitor, Neighbors and Company, down here. So right. we, Mr. Neighbors could see our front door, and we could see his front door. So we knew who was going in and out. We knew who our, we, if we lost a customer, we'd see him go down there. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but then the bill, when, we, when the building boom started, Daddy, Daddy said, we have to sell stuff reasonable. So he sold sheetrock and roofing and the big, heavy products of building supplies real reasonable. Right. And so people came from about four or five counties around here buying, buying materials. And in 1961, 62, and 63, he bought a fleet of delivery trucks. And he bought international 1600-series trucks. I remember Oh, that was people. big back in that yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. There was a little V8 engine in them. You know, they were, yeah. And he put 16 or 17-foot beds on them or 18-foot. One, one of them had an 18-foot bed. And we hauled lumber and sheetrock and mortar mix and roofing all over this country. To build all the houses, and back then, most of all the houses, the little houses like that, you know, they were twelve to sixteen, sixteen hundred square feet, and they were all brick. Yeah. And so we had we hauled the brick back then, and we we had two brick two brick companies we hauled them from, Cornish Brick Company and Columbus Brick Company, mm -hmm. and we could haul about four or five thousand brick on one of those one of those trucks, and that's all you could get on it. So you'd have to make three or four trips for every house. Yeah. And boy, I tell you what, that was a job running <laughs> on brick. You know, you, you if you could if you was really strong you could put it you could do it about ten at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they wasn't a, wasn't no moffet sitting no, on the back I, of no, those trucks. Was, no. And later on though they got they got smart. They started putting them in bundles, five hundred to the bundle and put, you know, two holes in them for a forks to go in. And that's where the moffets came in. Of course that's that was that was twenty years past where I was at. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they have that now because that's what the school has two big trucks like that and they have those moffets and they Take the take the material out and place it around the around the around the job and put put the brick where they need to be, 
But we grew up with that and, and, and sheetrock, and we put all that inside the house, the sheetrock and, and the, the wood and the trim, and that was just a big job. That's what we did when I was growing up. And, of course, that's when I met Judy, you know, and that's when she lived left three blocks from us, from me. She lived down there in Pickett and we lived up here on the, up on the street that's about here. Right. And so I, I, I would see her at school, you know, once in a while, and I knew who she was, and then I got interested in it, and I ran her all over the place trying to catch her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> finally, finally, we got together. And we've been married for a long time. She's raised me three good sons, and... I'm just thankful. I'm thankful we got married, and I'm thankful we got the building supply company. And I'm thankful we got the motorhome plant. We can help our owners and build motorhomes, and we've employed lots of people. We, I don't know how many people we're responsible. I guess we got 2,500 to 3,000 people working for us now. So it's been a, it's been a good ride. I sure have enjoyed it. The Lord has really blessed us, and I'm thankful. You know, it's uh, I've always got hung up. Anything in life. Seems like I'll get hung up thinking that I've done something, you know, and it's always been the Lord allowed me to do that. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It ain't nothing I've done. I mean, it's what he's done through me, anything, you know, so. But, Judy, you got anything you want to tell about about your parents or your father, anything, what he, what you learned from him? Learned from who, my parents or yeah. Bob? Your father. <laughs> or either one, it don't matter. Well, they had a work ethic, and I guess I learned that. Right. Yeah. And I'm married to a workaholic, so <laughs> I really understand work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it seems like in, in today's time, a lot of people think they're entitled to everything when, when God plainly tells us we're going to get it by the sweat of her brow, you know, whatever we get. I mean, it's not going to be. Well, uh, I tell, those I've mentioned retirement five lot of times. It, it, he just can't stand the thoughts of it. He oh, thinks it's yeah. wonderful <laughs> for everybody else to retire. So I've decided work is his hobby. That's his number one thing. That is, yeah. some people make a hobby out of golf or right. fishing, hunting. His is work, which is fine. Yeah, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. If he couldn't get up and go to work, I don't know what. And, and he talks to so many people that every day. If he stayed at home with me, we'd run out of anything talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as he's happy, that's what keeps him going is right. his work. He, he thoroughly enjoys it. Yeah. Well, all right, folks. I got a little bit. All right, you do got some. I do got something. So one thing Daddy taught us, and I guess his Daddy taught him, why he was so good at service. Your Daddy pretty good at service and customer, right? Oh, yeah. So Daddy taught us, well, Tim got to sit by Daddy all the time. So he got to listen to all the conversations and the heartaches and all that kind of stuff. So I come along... <laughs> I'm 10 years later than Van, and I really got to hear him because I drive, I drive the coach school bus home and all those kind of things. So with Happy Hollow, that's what our earnest uh, goal. goal is to do, is to service our customers as good as we can because we've been, I've been trained by the best in the business to, to do that. 
So that's going to be our goal with Happy Holidays to service customer through through the store and through e-commerce. And e-commerce is very important, but uh, that's going to be our goal from here here throughout our growing stages. So that's pretty much all I've got. And I appreciate my parents and the raising they gave me through the good Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, I appreciate them too. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. Well, that's good. Appreciate I mean, we, we got the best best example to look for for a successful business in our own family. I mean, that's that's a blessing right there. And man, Emmett's got a he got a good mama and they got a good wife, and she's the owner of our company. And uh, so. she'll be on the podcast someday. Yes, yeah, we'll get we'll get her in front of a camera. Yeah, so. <clears throat> She's she got some big shoes to fill too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emmett, you got anything else? Just blessed. Blessed to be doing what I'm doing right now. Oh, it is. It's a blessing all around. But uh well, have y'all got anything else y'all like to share? I don't have anything else. Miss Judy? Yeah. All right, folks. Well that's gonna wrap up this first one. We appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. Mm-hmm.